If you have your Bible with you, we're turning to the book of Psalms this morning, and then we're going to two other readings in the Word of God, and we're sure that the Lord has something to speak to our hearts about this morning, because this message has been on my heart uh, for a long time. It's not a new message. It has been a message that I have preached before. But I want to tell you, my dear people, this morning that when God puts a message into the heart of any man, it needs to be proclaimed again and again. And I want you to listen to the Word of God this morning because as we step out into the school, we need to be right with God. And I want the Lord to come this morning, and I'm sure you do, because we don't want to miss what God wants to do. And as we step on the threshold of these five Sunday nights, may the desire of our heart be that God would have us in the place where he could use us. Psalm number 60, please, and verse 1. Then we're going over into the book of Jeremiah, and then we're going over into the book of Acts of the Apostles. Psalm 60 and verse 1. O God, O God, thou hast cast us off, thou hast scattered us, thou hast been displeased. And that's a picture of today. O turn thyself to us again. Now I want you to come over into the book of Jeremiah. Just away across to the right, turn towards the New Testament. And you'll come to the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 and commencing to read at verse 18. And this is the children of Israel speaking. In verse 18 of Jeremiah 31. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised. As a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke, turn now me, and I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord, my God. Now turn with me finally to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and chapter 26. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26. And commencing to read, please, at verse 17, and you'll be able to leave your Bible open there. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26, and commencing to read at verse 17. And Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he is relating to King Agrippa his testimony and how God saved him and called him and spoke to him. And in verse 17, God said to Paul, Delivering thee from the people... And from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem 
and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent. And here's your text. Turn to God. That they should turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Now I want you to give me your attention this morning. My text is that little phrase in the last few words of verse 20 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26. That they should turn to God. My dear people, I want to tell you this afternoon, that's the desire of God's heart for you and I. That you and I as individuals would turn to God with all of our heart, with all of our desire. I can think of nothing better that a man or woman could do than turn to God. I want to talk about three individuals that turned in the Bible. We read about them this morning. I'm going to talk about the sinner that needs to turn in order to be saved. I'm going to talk about the saints that need to turn in order to be spiritual. And then I'm going to talk about the sovereign who turns in revival because that's why we're going into the school. Because God is the God of revival. God always longs to move among his people. Now can I say this morning as we start together, if you're not saved, you need to turn to God. I'm sure we all know what it is to make a wrong turn in life. I'm sure we all know what it is to follow directions and we're going to meet someone or go to a certain location and we take the wrong turn. And maybe you go down the road for a number of miles and then your wife or husband or children will say, you need to make a U-turn. We all know what the word turn means. We don't need to be too educated to know about it. It's a word that we learned from our earliest days. And Paul was sent by God and he said to turn them from darkness onto light. Can I say this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, and I see a few here that are not saved. If you're not saved and you're on your way to a lost eternity and you're going down to the flames of a lost sinner's hell, here's the answer to your problem this morning. Just turn to God. Turn to God. Paul said to turn them from darkness onto light. Many turns in our life, whenever we make a wrong turn, are very easily rectified. But whenever a man or woman resists the gospel call and resists the spirit of grace and maybe with the pleadings and the prayers of their parents defies a holy God and dies without sin, Christ and God, and they die in their sin and go to a lost sinner's hell, that's a turn that can never be rectified. To make a wrong turn Now, there's some young men and women here this morning, and you're still not saved. And your mother and father have pleaded with you, and many of us hear them praying for you in the prayer meeting. And if you don't turn quickly, you're going to make a wrong turn in life. A wrong turn that is never, ever, ever, ever again able to be rectified. Paul, as he stood before King Agrippa, this small little man, He said, God sent me to turn them from darkness onto light. From the power of Satan onto the power of God. 
And if you're not saved here this morning, let me tell you where you are. You're in darkness and you're under the power of Satan. There's many contrasts in the Bible. The Lord Jesus talked about heaven and he talked about hell. Paul talks about the wages of sin and the gift of God. He talked about those that are saved and those that are lost. My dear people this morning, if you're ever going to get saved, this is the answer to your predicament this morning. Just turn to God. I remember that day so well on the 22nd of February 2010 with all of a life of shame and guilt. I didn't have to turn over a new leaf. I didn't have to sign a register in a church. I didn't have to pay money. But all I simply did by faith was turn to God. Turn to God from darkness unto light. To turn from and turn to. Whenever Paul was writing about the believers at Thessalonica, he said that you turn to God from idols. My dear people, what a turn. To turn from death unto life. You remember way back in the book of Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel 33, God set watchmen upon the walls. And they were to watch upon the walls of the city. And whenever they saw the enemy come, they were to blow the trumpet and they were to warn the people. And the watchmen in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11, this is what they said. Oh, turn ye, turn ye, for why will ye die? Young man in the meeting this morning, if you die in your sin, you'll die and go to a lost eternity. And the cry of God and the cry of every individual that's saved here this morning would be, turn. Oh, turn while the Savior in mercy is pleading. And steer, young man, for the harbor light. For how do you know but your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight? Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, said there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. Did you ever make a turn and it went into a dead end? You know, my dear people, religion leads to a dead end. And the way of pleasure and the way of the world, while it seems so attractive and it seems so right, Solomon said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's a dead end. I tell you, whenever the rich young ruler came to the Lord Jesus, and he ran and he knelt down at the feet of the Savior. And it says that he turned and he went away. You know what happened? He made a wrong turn. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, you read about that man who watched Lazarus at Saturday's gate. And he ended up in hell because he made a wrong turn. Now, just before I go on, every unsaved soul in this meeting this morning, you make sure and you make the right turn. Turn to Christ. O oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And life, oh, thank God, more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. Of his glory and grace. You would need to turn. But not only is there the sinner that needs to turn in salvation. There's the saint that needs to turn in regards to their spirituality. 
In Jeremiah chapter 31, the children of Israel, they said that I was like a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn now me and I shall be turned. Now I want to say this morning to every unyielded believer in this meeting today, and you can look back to a time in your life when you were saved and thank God for that. Thank God for that moment in time when you were plunged beneath that fountain of blood and you were washed from your sins and you came into the family of God. But maybe yet at this very moment, in this lovely morning, you're yet not surrendered to God. And just like the bullock unaccustomed to the yoke, you're fighting and you're pulling and you're doing it your own way. You're living life that your own desires, your own ambitions. You know what a bullock's like. It's wild, it's untamed, uncontrolled. And whenever the farmer wanted to plow a field, he would get the bullock and he would put the yoke over its neck and then he would tie it to the plow. But that young bullock, it always resisted and always fought the yoke. It wanted to do it its own way. And my dear people this morning, many of God's people are happy to have their sins forgiven, but never come to the blessed place in their life when they yield their all over to God. And he could say, I was like a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Now the reason why a farmer put the bullock into the yoke was for this very reason. He wanted to harness its power and its ability. There are some believers maybe here this morning and you're wondering why God is not using you. And you have a gift and you have an ability. And you see other people God is using and you say, well, I wonder why God's not using me. My dear people, whenever we come to the place in our Christian lives, when we yield to the yoke of God, the Lord Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Whenever God puts the yoke upon the believer, many times we can fight and we can resist. Whenever Peter, Stephen was standing in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, he said, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, how is it that ye do always resist the Holy Ghost? And so many, and maybe even you, the priority of your life has been my will, but what a blessed place to be when you come to the place and say, no longer my will, but thy will. I got a text from a young girl at the start of the week. She's maybe here this morning. It was coming down to the late hours of Monday night. And she sent me a message. I was in the bed and she sent me a message and she said, Stephen, I'm just texting you to tell you that I have surrendered my life to God. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now, there's some of you dear people here tonight, this morning, and you've been saved for 10, 15, 20 years, and you're still like a bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke, still fighting and still restraining, still wanting to live your life the way you want to do it, still wanting to have your desires. You'll remember Saul, the first king of Israel. Everything God told Saul to do, Saul fought against it. And Saul died on Mount Gilboa, and he could say, I have played the fool. He died with a wasted life. He always was like the bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke, always fighting, always chiding, always resisting the will of God. What about Jonah? God told Jonah to go down to Nineveh. 
And Jonah ran from the will of God. He didn't want to submit to the yoke. He went down to Joppa and down to Tarshish, down into the boat and then down into the bottom of the sea. He was unaccustomed to the yoke. Is there a Jonah here this morning? And God has been laying some yoke upon your life, some yoke of obedience, some yoke of service, the yoke of surrender, and you're fighting and you're resisting and you say, Lord, but it's my life and there's my desires and there's my ambitions and Lord, I want to live my life the way I want to. My dear people, you're just like a bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke. What about Jacob? Jacob was a swindler. Jacob was a deceiver. He always wanted to have his own way. And there came a moment in his life when he met the God of heaven. And he came into that mighty relationship there at Bethel. And he said, God is in this place. And I knew it not. But he still wasn't broken. God had to bring him to Peniel. And there Jacob wrestled all the night. And God touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob never walked to see him again. And up until that moment in time, he was like the bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke. And can I say to you this morning, if you're not surrendered to God, you're missing out. You're missing out on the blessing of being under the yoke of God. Let me give you an illustration. Whenever whenever David was on the run from Absalom, and Absalom was coming to slay his father, And David ran from Jerusalem and he crossed over the Jordan. There was a man by the name of Berzillai came to meet David. He was a rich man. He was a very wealthy man. He supplied David with all of his food and all of his material needs. And whenever Absalom was defeated and David was making his way back to Jerusalem, Berzillai came with him to the Jordan. Now just listen to this. Berzillai came to the river Jordan and he said to David, I will go with thee but a little way. And Berzillai turned back. He was a man that was willing to give God his substance, but he was not willing to give himself. He sent one of his servants instead. My dear people, don't miss out on the blessing of God and don't miss out on intimacy with God by just giving God your money, but give him yourself. Put it all on the altar for God. And that's why we preach it again and again and again, because the blessed joy of having fellowship with God whenever souls are on the altar. My, wasn't it Noel Grant penned it well? The price is high, severe the test. For those who would enjoy God's best, surrender all and take the road with them who will go through with God. Go through with God. Thy vows to pay and all upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring thee into God's very best. Children of Israel had to say, I was chastised. And because the children of Israel were like the bullock, Fighting, resisting, striving against the will of God, the Lord had to chasten them. Job has a lovely little phrase in his book. He talks about the rod of God. And there's times when God takes his rod and he wants to see us submit. He wants to see us yield. And he has to lay the rod upon us at times and it can be a heavy rod. And all in order to get us to submit to the will of God. But Ephraim got to that place. 
Listen to what they said. Turn now me and I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord. They came to the place in their life where they said, Lord, I'm not fighting your will anymore. Now the will of God is a hard thing to do. There's a cost to doing the will of God. But my dear people, whenever we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and we get under the yoke, And we just go where he tells us to go, where he will lead me. I will go, for I have learned to trust him so. His divine will is sweet to me when I remember Calvary. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you fighting against the yoke? Is there a yoke in your life? Is there decisions in your life that have to be made? And you know God wants you to go this way and you want to go that way and you're fighting and you're resisting and you're just like the bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke. You're chiding, you're fighting, you're pulling. Oh, my dear people, pray this morning what Ephraim prayed. Turn thou me and I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord, my God. But not only is there the unyielded saint among us that needs to turn, there's the backsidden saint. I'm sure out of this vast congregation this morning, there's a number of backsliders. And that word backslidden really means to be. It really means that you're not in the place with God that you used to be. And maybe you can look back to days in your life when there was fellowship with God and it was sweet. Look back to days in your life when the word was precious. Look back to a day in your life when there was a zeal and a passion and a burden for souls and all that is gone and you've slidden back. Now Jeremiah is the book of the backslider. Thirteen times God had to call his children backsliders. And here he says to come back. And there's maybe men and women here this morning and you're backslidden and you've gone away from God and you're cold in heart. Well, I want to tell you, God wants you to come back this morning. To come back from your coldness. Come back from your apathy. Come back from your indifference to the things of God. Have you lost ground with God? Maybe in your times of prayer. Maybe in your times of devotion and there's coldness has crept in and there's devotion that is low and the flame is kindling very at a very, very low ebb and there's, there's things have crept in and you've slidden back unbeknownst to anyone else. My dear people, you don't have to go to a pub to be a backslider. You don't have to be involved in immorality to be a backslider. We just need to lose ground with God. And the Lord had to say of Amaziah, he did turn away from following me. And Amaziah, one of the kings, he started well, but he ended badly. My dear people this morning, whatever you do, don't end badly. And so many young people start out on fire for God and then they get married and they settle down and the pool of the world and money and fame and popularity and on and on you go and they lose the fire for God. You'll remember the story is told of of Orphra. And Orphra was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And Naomi had to turn to Ruth and this is what he said. She said, Orphra has gone back. She has gone back to her God. She went back into the world. She lost ground with God. What about Demas? Demas, that man that was used and was there, Paul talked about him and he said that he's went back. 
having loved this present world. And my dear people, this morning, may we not lose ground with God. May we go on, and as the hymn writer said, forward still is Jehovah's will, to go on and to go through. You see, the children of Israel always were prone to backsliding. They always were prone to leaving the God that they loved. In Jeremiah chapter 3, this is what God said. Turn back to me. Now, there's maybe a mother here this morning, and you're just starting to settle down and listen to me now. And God's saying to you, turn back to me. Maybe there's a young man or a father and you used to be in fire for God. Turn back to me. Do you know what the children of Israel said? In Jeremiah chapter 18, this is the answer that they gave God. There is no hope. But we will walk after our own desires and we will fulfill our own lusts. God pleaded with his people to come back. And they said, there's no hope. No hope of us coming back to you, Lord. No, no, no hope of us ever being restored. No hope of us ever getting on fire. We're so taken up with the world, we're just going to stay where we are. There's no hope. I'm glad there was a moment in the life of the prodigal. Whenever he was away in a far country and he'd spent all of his money on riotous living, and he vain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, There was a moment in his life when he said, I will arise and return to my father's house. And as he was making his way down the long dusty path, it says that his father saw him afar off and he began to run towards his son, the son that was wayward, the son that was backslidden, the son that had lost ground. And he ran towards his son and put his arm around him and he kissed him. He put the best robe upon him. He put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And dear backslidden saint, thank God there's always a way back. There's always a way back. Would you need to come back this morning? Oh, turn now me, and I shall be turned. Turn me, Lord. Lord, I've made the wrong turn. I've made the wrong turn in a relationship. I've made the wrong turn, Lord, in the business. I've made a wrong turn, Lord, regarding spirituality, and I'm cold, and I'm, I'm far away. Oh, turn now me, and I shall be turned. Now, there's not only the unyielded saint would need a turn, and not only is there the backslidden saint. Can I say this morning among us, there's the hindered saint. And what I mean by that is saints that would love to go on, but don't seem to gain ground for God. And maybe there's such people like that here this morning. And it seems to be the more that you pray and the more that you read and the more you seek to get on fire for God, you don't really seem to gain ground. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 2, God said to the children of Israel, Ye have come past this mountain long enough. Turn ye northward. For 38 years, the children of Israel were going round and round in the wilderness, round and round the bottom of Mount Seir, sand, sun, defeat, death, 
barrenness, no victory. It was monotonous. It was mechanical. They went out in the morning and they got the manna. They went out in the morning and they lifted the quail. They had life, but they did not have abundant life. And God said to the children of Israel, after 38 years standing in the wilderness, he said, turn ye northward, for ye have come past this mountain long enough. They were stuck in the wilderness. Now listen this morning. Please listen. They were stuck in the wilderness. They were, there was plenty of movement. But there was no progress. They were going round and round in the wilderness. Round the mountain. Year after year. Day after day. But there was no victory. There was no new ground claimed for God. And after 38 years at the bottom of Mount Seir, God said, turn you northward. And if you go northward from Mount Seir, you'll come into the promised land. Now can I say this morning to every individual, every child of God, we all have mountains in our life. We all seem to face them. God doesn't remove every mountain. But there's mountains in our lives that we can go round and round and round and they can hinder us from going on with God. There's a mountain of past failure. And you've maybe known what it is in your life to attempt something for God and you've stepped out of the boat as it were and you've put your head above the parapet and you've maybe organized a mission or a conference or something to reach the lost and it just went down like a lead balloon. And because of that mountain of past failure, you go around it again and again and again. And you say, I will never do anything for God again. You have come past this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And then, of course, there's a mountain of defeat. And there's maybe been an area in your life and sin has got in and it has come and it has overtaken you. And you used to go on well with God and maybe there's some inward sin has come in and it's got a grip of your life and you've fallen and you've defeated and lost maybe your testimony and ruined parts of your family and you've went round and round the bottom of the mountain, round and again and again and you see the mountain and you never move on. Here's a word from God to your soul. You've come past this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And then, of course, there's the mountains of disappointment. And we look at our family and we look at our situation. And it's just like a mountain. And we go around every day and we look at the mountain. Every morning we get up, we look at the mountain and you're stuck in the wilderness. And God said, turn ye northward for you've come past this mountain long enough. And then, of course, there's the mountain of past victory. Some people live in the past. And to see some mighty exploit they've done for God and they almost worship it and they live in the past. But my dear people, we need to move on to new victory ground. Whenever Gideon defeated the Moabites or the Midianites, you'll remember how it was there that he made an ephod of gold and the children of Israel, they worshipped it. And Gideon, it says, it became a snare unto him. He worshipped the past victory. My dear people, let me say this morning, thank God for 1859. Thank God for 1904. 
Thank God for times when God has moved in revival blessing and he's refreshed his people. But oh, I'm glad this morning that there's a band of people that is looking for a new thing. A new thing. You've come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. In Exodus chapter 14, when the children of Israel were being hunted across the wilderness by the Egyptians, and they stood and the mountains were around them and the Dead Sea, the Red Sea was in front of them, God told his people, go forward. Go forward. Go forward into new ground for God. Go forward. And if there's someone here this morning and you're stuck in the past and we never see you at a prayer meeting and have no desire for souls and you have no hunger for God and you have no thirst and you have no passion, my dear people, go forward. Go forward. Go forward with God. You'll remember what it said in Hosea chapter 7. Ephraim is like a cake, not turned. God went on to say of the children of Israel and Jeremiah and Moab that they have been from their ease from their youth and they have rested upon their lees and they have not been emptied from vessel to vessel. They had never been turned. And my dear people this morning, there's times in our life as believers God has to turn us. Times whenever we get into a mechanical rut. Times when we're just limping along and we pray the same thing and we do the same thing and it's all monotony and it's just like the door and a hinge movement but no progress. And round and round the wilderness and they looked at the mountain, the obstacle, and God said, you've come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. And then, of course, there's the mountain of hurt. Maybe someone has hurt you. Maybe it's been a word of ridicule. Maybe it has been a word of slander. Maybe it has been a word of accusation. And because of that wound in your heart, you've never progressed with God. And you look at the wound and you remember that day that that thing happened. And every day you look at the mountain and you're still in the wilderness. You've come past this mountain long enough. You need a turn. Turn. Turn ye northward. Would you need a turn? Now, time's beating me this morning. Because not only would the backslidden saint need to turn. My, those among us that used to be in fire for God and you've lost ground and you've slipped back. Turn. Turn now me and I shall be turned. And the unyielded saint looking to live their own way and out of the will of God and you're missing out on the good and the acceptable and the perfect will. And you're fighting against the yoke and you're resisting the will of God. You'd need a turn. Because whenever you turn, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And not only the hindered saint, but let me say this before I close, there's the burden saint. And maybe there's individuals here today and you know what it is to have a burden. It was one of the old church fathers said, preach to the burdened hearts in your congregation and you'll always have a full, full, full meeting. And here the burden saints, you remember Moses. Moses, the man that made the decision for God. It wasn't an easy decision. And Moses, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And Moses, filled with zeal and fire and passion, he was going to deliver the children of Israel in his own strength and in his own power. 
And he slew the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. And for 40 years he was out in the wilderness. 40 years he was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. 40 years it was monotony and the burden of service was upon him every day. And one day in the backside of the wilderness, God appeared to Moses. And there the Lord came in the burning bush and the bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. And when God saw Moses turn, he called, he said, Moses, Moses, take off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the ground upon which thou standest is holy ground. And Moses was burdened with service. He was busy, but he turned aside. You know what he did? To draw near to God. And there's some of you here this morning and you've got busy with your work and you've got busy with your family and you can hardly pray and you can hardly read and you've got far too busy. But Moses, in the busyness of his service, he turned aside to draw near to God. What about Mary? That little woman, that little slip of a woman standing on the first day of the week and she was standing at the sepulcher. Standing with a broken heart and the tears were coming down her eyes, out of her eyes. And she saw the gardener, supposing him to be the gardener. She said, Lord, sir, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've led him and I will take him. And then the Lord Jesus turned and says, Mary. And Mary, it says that she turned and she looked upon the blessed Son of God and her with the burden of sorrow, she turned to see the face of the risen, exalted Son of God. And if you're here this morning and you know all about the burden of sorrow, turn, just turn. Turn and gaze upon the blessed Son of God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Now, there's not only the sinner that needs to turn, and there's not only the saint that needs to turn. I'm glad there's times whenever the sovereign turns. And David, he prayed, O God, thou hast cast us off. Thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Whenever God turns again among his people, Whenever God, the one who dwelleth between the cherubims, cause thy face to shine upon us, and the glory of God and his manifest presence and his manifest power comes among his people, and I'm looking forward to tonight whenever we go out into the school and we hear about revival, for God is the God of revival. He's a God that turns again the captivity of his people. Oh, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Because it seems that he's turned away. He can turn away from a nation. He can turn away from a church. He can turn away from a man. In Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah talked about the year of visitation. And I'm praying that in 2022, before we go over into 2020, over into 2023, my, that this year would end with the year of visitation. That God would visit again his people. That God would manifest his power, his glory, manifest himself among us. Oh, turn, turn thyself to us again. Whenever Naomi was down in the far country, she had heard how the Lord had visited his people and gave them bread.
And there Naomi come out. My, she come out of the barren land and she came into the house of bread. And she brought young Ruth with her, all because they heard of the visitation. You know, there's 400 silent years in the Bible. From Malachi to Matthew, all was dry. It was mechanical. The priests were still serving. The altar was still busy. The smoke was still ascending. But God seemed to be far, far away. And then suddenly, God visited his people. And you know, the God whom ye seek shall suddenly come. Douglas Brown was a minister of the gospel over in England. He went to Lowerstoff in the 1920s to preach and to do a series of meetings. And as Douglas Brown got onto the pulpit and began to preach, God visited his people. And there was a revival that broke out in Lowerstoff, England, and went up the shore, the east shore of England, away up onto the top of Scotland. And all the fishermen came. Jock Troop was there. And all of the fishermen came off the boat, came into the prayer meetings. Thousands came. Thousands were saved. Men and women that resisted the gospel for years and years and years. The glory of God came among his people. Oh, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do it again, Lord, in the lifeboat. Do it again, Lord, in Northern Ireland. Do it again in my own life, Lord. Oh, visit your people for God to turn. Do you need to turn this morning? The backslidden saint, turn. The hindered saint, just turn to God. My you this morning that's not yielded and not surrendered and you're still fighting and chiding. Just turn. My individuals that are burdened with service and sorrow and all the rest of it, my, you can just turn. Turn. Turn us, O God of heaven, turn us. And we shall be turned.